Jesus as the coming king, the humble king, riding on that humble colt, he gets the praise from humble people. And in a lot of ways, for you and I, as it relates to praising God, when you are humble, you'll always praise God. But we stop praising God when we start to get puffed up, because when we get puffed up, we want the praise. We'd rather praise ourselves than praise the Lord. Jesus is the ultimate example of humility. In today's message from Pastor Daniel, you will hear about Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Jesus, the King of the world, rode into Jerusalem on a colt. Not a very grand entrance for the Son of God. Like Jesus, we are called to live humbly. Only when you're filled with humility can you see your need for God. A heart filled with pride does not have room to worship the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Luke chapter 19 with part one of his message, Humility Instead. I remember when I was a child, my first memory of a Palm Sunday, because I remember when I went to church and they handed me a, a little palm branch and I started laughing because I had this palm branch and you know I'm, I'm the youngest of three kids I have two older sisters so obviously as a young kid I just figured that this was something I was supposed to annoy my sisters with and I remember that they gave me this thing and I was hitting my sisters with it and my parents were like Daniel stop it Daniel stop it and then sure enough eventually they took it away I'm like well why did they give it to us like well it's symbolic and I'm like Symbolic of what? And they're like, oh, and they were trying to explain it to me. I'm like, well, I just thought they gave it to me as a toy to be able to mess with my sisters. But this idea of Palm Sunday is a very powerful thing because really Palm Sunday is also known as the triumphal entry. And it's that moment when Jesus is being recognized for who he truly is. In the years of his public ministry, now is the moment where Jesus is being exalted as God's promised Messiah. But what is fascinating is that, as is always the case with Jesus, you expect it to look one way and it actually looks a completely different way. You know, Jesus wasn't somebody who's really interested in all of the ceremony. And so as we read the story of Jesus' triumphal entry and what happens immediately following that, we're going to be surprised at the way that Jesus rolls. And ultimately what we're going to find is that Jesus is humble. Where we live in a world where there's so much self-exaltation. We live in a world where people want to be noticed and people want to be spoken well of. Jesus actually does everything opposite the way everybody else would do. I remember when I became a pastor, someone said, no, Daniel, you know, you, you got to wear a good suit. You got to get a good suit. And I'm like, why? They're like, well, every pastor's got a good suit, right? And I remember I went to the thrift store because I wasn't going to go buy an expensive suit, especially at that point in my life. Still today, actually, you know, and I went there and I just found a suit that would fit. And I'm like, oh, pastors have suits. But Jesus in that context would have been like, I'm not wearing a suit because Jesus wasn't interested in all the trappings. You know, Jesus had other things that he was focused on. And we really see that here in the story of the triumphal entry. So we're going to be 
reading together. So open your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, we're going to be taking verses 28 to 48 together. Luke 19, 28 to 48. Now, if you're new to the Bible, and I realize that some of you are opening physical Bibles, others of you are opening up a browser window, you're opening up a tablet, or you're opening up your favorite, you know, uh, you're typing in Luke 19, 28 to 48. Luke's gospel is the third book in the New Testament. So remember, the whole Bible goes from Genesis to the book of Revelation. You have the first three quarters of your Bible is what we call the Old Testament, from the book of Genesis to the prophet Malachi, which really tells the story of everything that happened before Jesus. And then you have the New Testament, that last about quarter of your Bible, from the book of Matthew to the book of Revelation. And it begins with the story of the life of Jesus. There's four of those. We call them Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Luke is the third book there in the New Testament. So picking up in Luke 19... Verse 28, it says this. It says, and when he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus, you shall say to him, because the Lord is need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owner of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Now, we start by realizing that Jesus chose a humble colt instead. Now, if this was your big moment, right, if this is the moment that you're going to be triumphantly entering into Jerusalem, if you were the normal person, you would not be looking for this little humble colt that was tied. You would have had already picked out maybe a white stallion or maybe if you're a car person, it's like nobody ever like, hey, here's my big entrance to the prom. And so, you know, I got my 1947 Studebaker. That's all like a rust bucket. No, you end up choosing something that is a little ostentatious, something that everybody would notice. You know, it's amazing that Jesus at this moment where everyone's going to say, finally, the Messiah is here. Instead of having a white stallion or these beautiful horses or maybe the Clydesdales or something, Jesus finds this little humble colt. He sends his disciples ahead of him saying, listen, I want you to go into that town and you're going to find a little colt that's never been ridden. He's going to be just tied there and I want you to just take it. And if anyone says, hey, why are you taking it? You know, the Lord has need of it. And sure enough, they go and they find this little colt and the owner of the colt says, well, hey, why? Why are you taking my colt? He said, oh man, the Lord's got need of it. And he let him go. Now, all of this you may not realize is the fulfillment of a prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, where it says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, you notice that. Because really, Jesus comes and he's lowly. He, he doesn't need all of the outward things to show that he is someone important. He can come in riding a little humble donkey, a little colt. No big deal. Because Jesus does not need the externals 
to know who he truly is. Now, and I think that's something that God wants to do in actually all of our lives is, you know, we do live in a society that everything's about the outwards, how it look on the outwards. And everybody wants to make sure they have everything in the places that you have all of the good looks. You're keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. But when you know who you are in Christ, just like Jesus knew who he was in the Father, he didn't need any of that stuff. He was fine to not need the the most beautiful horse with the nicest things on it. He was willing to just take a humble colt instead. He could have chosen any horse if he wanted. He had access to everything as the son of God. But a humble colt was good enough. Now, look at what happens next. Because if we pick up Luke 19, verse 35, it says, And then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their clothes on the colt, and they sent Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. And then as he was now drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works he has done, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now what's amazing is, is here in Jesus' triumphal entry, Jesus receives the praise of the humble instead. Right away you see that as Jesus begins to come on in, he's coming over the Mount of Olives, which was on the east side of Jerusalem. And as he's coming in, the multitude begins rejoicing together. They're praising God. They're laying their clothes, not only on the colt, but on the road in front of him saying, look, you're the king. We are your subjects. They're waving these palm branches, which was a symbolic way of saying that all of creation is rejoicing and praising at God's fulfillment of his promise to bring a deliverer, the rescuer, the Messiah. Everyone's rejoicing, and the people are excited. And as the people are excited, they begin to say, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest, which is a quotation from Psalm 118, verse 26. A well-known messianic psalm. Hosanna means save now. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of God. The people are just rejoicing. The common person couldn't believe it in their lifetime. The promised Messiah who they've been waiting for. Now he's here. There's so much joy. But of course, the Pharisees, the religious leaders were in the crowd. They didn't like hearing this at all. They're calling to Jesus from the crowd saying, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to stop. And Jesus said, I tell you, if these should keep silent the stones would immediately cry out. I mean, you would think that when the promised Messiah showed up, that all of the religious leaders would have been overjoyed. This is what we've been waiting for. I mean, all of those religious leaders knew that they weren't the Messiah. But instead of praising the promise of God's fulfillment, they thought this is messed up. And in a lot of ways, It shows the humility of Jesus because Jesus didn't need the endorsements of the most well-known. Jesus didn't need the superstars in Judaism of that day to be able to prop up the ministry that he was doing. Jesus was content for the praise of the humble people 
who knew that God had just fulfilled his promise. And listen, for many of us, we live our lives wanting to get the the that boys and the pat on the backs from the higher ups. And maybe what we need to do is just live in such a way that the humble people are grateful for who we are. And maybe that's enough for all of us. See, Jesus, again, so unique, so humble. The common people heard him gladly. And listen, it's really common in our day and age that when somebody is doing well, that people just want to tear them down. There's that Pharisee kind of a mentality. Maybe when God is using someone, there's always the people who just want to say, oh, man, psh, oh, I don't like that person. or this, you know, And they want to tear down somebody who God is using. And I think that what God really wants for us is just to rejoice with those who rejoice. If God is moving in someone's life or if God is moving in a church in a unique way, we just want to be able to rejoice in that. There's no reason to want to tear people down because that's exactly what the Pharisees were doing. And Jesus was so obvious, like, look, if these humble people who are praising God that I am here, if they were to stop, man, the rocks would have cried out. He's saying, listen, creation has to praise a good God who fulfills his promises, a good God who keeps the covenants that he has made with his people. Jesus, as the coming king, the humble king, riding on that humble colt, he gets the praise from humble people. And in a lot of ways, for you and I, as it relates to praising God, when you are humble, you'll always praise God. But we stop praising God when we start to get puffed up, because when we get puffed up, we want the praise. We'd rather praise ourselves than praise the Lord. How's your worship life these days been? Have you been praising God? Even with all that's going on in our culture right now, all that's going on in society right now, Today is the perfect day to praise God because we realize that God is good, that God loves us, that God is for us and not against us, that God is in control and God is at work. See, we have an unstoppable hope because of who the Lord is. We hope in the finished work of Jesus and a God who's going to work all things together for good. There is infinite reasons to praise and worship God, even right now in all that's happening. But when we get proud, we'd rather not spend our time praising God because we're trying to praise ourselves. Rather than wanting people to notice the Lord, we want people to notice us. Our worship lives are tied to our humility. And Jesus was humble. And the Bible says that God loves to dwell with the broken and contrite of hearts. So Jesus wants to not only share his redemption and his resurrection with us, but he also, as we follow him, wants to share his humility with us and invite us to be humble servants of the Most High God. Now, after all this happens, look what happens now in Luke chapter 19, verse 41. It says, now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day and the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side. And level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. 
Now, this is amazing because you would imagine that for Jesus, it's a triumphal entry. He's coming on in. People know that he's the Messiah. And the very first thing that happens is that instead of Jesus being self-congratulatory, congratulating himself, we get humble tears instead. There's humble tears because he comes to the city and he looks upon it and his heart is immediately broken. Why? Because he knows that as he goes into the city within one week, they're going to reject him. He says, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. He's saying, this is the day. This is the most important day. This is the day that makes for your peace. But he's like, but you're missing it. And because you're missing it, it's going to be hidden from your eyes. Listen, my friends right now, because I realize everyone is on a different step of their journey right now. Are you missing out on this day? The day that you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Because when you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus, that is the day that God makes peace for you. And Jesus realizes that as he's coming on in, he knows that the cross is awaiting him in just a few days. He knows that they are going to miss out. And not only does he know that they're going to miss him as the Messiah, he also knows what's coming in the future. And Jesus begins to talk in verse 43, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you and surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children with you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. What Jesus is talking about here is he's talking about the coming destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans. If you read the writings of Josephus, who was a Jewish man who wrote history of the Jews for the Romans, you can read extensive writings about the besiegement of Jerusalem by the Romans, eventually destroying Jerusalem and the temple in 70 AD under the legions of Titus Vespasian. You can read about all this in, this in in the writings of Josephus. Jesus sees that all being tied to their missing out on who he was. I mean, it's amazing when we realize that Jesus looks at each one of us and he sees not only what today is, but he sees what is going to happen as a consequence of the decisions we make. Now, listen up. Let's just be honest about this. All of our decisions have consequences. For each one of us, there are decisions that we are making right now that are going to have long-term negative consequences. There's also those we're making decisions right now that they're going to have long-term positive consequences. We live in a world that whatever you sow, that you will also reap. And I just wanted to take a moment and make sure that if right now you are making soft or poor choices, listen, Amend your ways. Simply respond to Jesus. God loves you. But if you continue down the road, you know that where this lands is in a bad spot. Listen, we're all making decisions every single day, and those decisions have consequences. Jesus realized that for the city of Jerusalem, their rejection of him as the Messiah was going to lead right into the destruction of the city and the dispersion of the Jewish people all over the globe. 
Now, some people be like, well, I can't believe that would happen. But if you read the history of the children of Israel, it happened to the 10 northern tribes with the Assyrians. It happened with the two southern tribes to Babylon and then Medo-Persia and then the Greeks and then the Romans. And so this was something that was always happening that God's saying, look, if you will honor me, I'll bless you. And if you don't honor me, then I can't bless you. And that will look like cursings for you. And Jesus is lamenting. His heart is broken. Because he realizes what is coming for the city of Jerusalem, that great city. But then I'm reminded of what it says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. What's God's desire? It says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There should be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Do you hear what that said? God's desire is to remove every tear from every eye. God's perfect plan in the finished work of Jesus, at the cross, his resurrection, his ascension, the pouring out of the Spirit, ultimately the return of Jesus, is that there be no more pain, no more sorrow. All the former things are going to pass away. That's the great hope for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus. That ultimately, when Jesus returns, he is going to put everything together to make it right again, to work through all the things that have hurt everybody. And I believe that God, in the work of resurrection and redemption, is wanting to do that in each one of our lives. God wants to be there for you in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of the trials that you find yourself in. Jesus wept over Jerusalem and he took the cross for the very sins of the world, of the people who rejected him. Jesus did that because God is in the business of transforming suffering and bringing salvation. Again, so we've seen at a time when Jesus could be rejoicing, giving his great speech about his work as the Messiah, instead he finds himself weeping over the suffering that's coming to the city of Jerusalem. And then I want you to notice what it says. Luke 19, picking up in verse 45. Then he went into the temple and he began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything for all the people were very attentive to hear him. When Jesus finally makes his way into the temple, he begins to overturn all the tables. Why? Because Jesus was interested not in a marketplace, but in a humble house instead. Jesus was interested in a humble house. Jesus is real. What a wonder that the King of Kings, Lord over all, is the most humble being in existence. It defies logic. You heard in today's message from Pastor Daniel about how Jesus humbly entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He rode in on a colt. The material things this world had to offer didn't interest Jesus. 
He came to fulfill his father's plan. To make it possible for all to be united back to God, he came to serve his people, not to be served. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to let you know that my friend, you're going to make it. In my latest book, You're Gonna Make It, Unlocking Resilience When Life is a Mess, I unpack the keys to living with a deeply biblical resilience. You will explore how to blossom during times of suffering, fear and worry and stress. And in this messy world, these keys are invaluable. Pre-order the book today at JesusIsReal.com. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page. That website again is JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will teach about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You'll hear about the women who searched for him in his tomb and about how his disciples reacted to the amazing news that Jesus was alive. You'll be given opportunity to hear and examine the details and to consider the verity of the resurrection story. You'll learn it's more than just a story. It's gospel. It's truth. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Unstoppable Hope. Until then, may God bless.